This is Sports Talk with Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, you know, we always like to try to bring you a a very happy tone here on Sports Talk and have a good time talking with you about things in the sports world, kind of take your minds off of the things going on in the world, in your neighborhood, maybe in your life, and let you relax a little bit. Kind of tough to do that today, though, with what happened at the University of Virginia with three football players being killed, including one who's a native of South Carolina from Woodland High School down in Dorchester. Very sad, sad day. Impacts everybody in the sports world. Impacts everybody just in the world itself and of course hitting home here in South Carolina Lavelle Davis Jr. who was a player out of Woodland who played in the Touchstone Energy Bowl North South game after his senior season of high school ball and I remember him from recruiting was a good player and ended up if I remember correctly going kind of early in making a decision to go to Virginia and just an absolute absolute tragedy of course there's nothing Nothing we can say that you haven't already heard or or thought about yourself, so your heart pours out. Makes for a very bad way uh, to start the week. But that aside, our job is to talk about other things and get your minds off of those things and talk about things in the sports world. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel, Chris Bergen, all three of us were at ball games on Saturday. I was in Gainesville, Pat was at Clemson, and Bergie was at uh, Coastal Carolina. Going to talk all about that here on the Monday after show. And, of course, we'll have Zach Willis with his breakdown coming up at 730. But we'll open up those phone lines right now, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you right on the air. We'll get as many phone calls on as possible. Let me say right off the start, if you hadn't heard the news already, South Carolina Clemson game has been set for a noon kickoff on ABC up at Clemson a week from Saturday. So you might want to make your plans to forget about Thanksgiving and go up there like on Wednesday (laughs) if you're going to get into the ballpark because, you know, noon games at Clemson are just just horrible. Pat and I were just talking about our issues in the past. Even if you leave what you think is early, it's not early enough because there's only so many roads leading into Clemson. Seems like they all get clogged up for those 12 o'clock kicks. But uh, great to have you with us uh, here on the program. Chris Bergen up in Sardis, uh, Pat Daniel, and myself here at the Dave & Buster Studio in Columbia where you can eat, drink, play, and catch all the big games all season, including tonight's Monday night game, Dave & Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Well, let's talk about what we saw quickly, and then we'll get to our phone calls. I want to open it up and hear what folks have to say about things. We'll drop in some other notes as we move along. I can sum up the Gamecocks' performance on Saturday pretty quickly. It was disastrous. Except for special teams, it was absolutely disastrous. As bad as the offense was, the defense was just as bad. So, disappointing performance for South Carolina, but... Are you shocked? Because when the Gamecocks play 
I guess what they think is a better team, they come up they come apart like a like a cheap shoe. And they're just not competitive. This was a Florida team that had one of the worst defenses in the SEC, statistically speaking. I mean, South Carolina should have been able to have some success moving the ball against this Florida defense based on what Florida had done to this point. Yet they made the Florida defense look like uh, one of the, uh, the Clemson or Alabama national championship defenses. Couldn't block them. Rattler had no time had no chance to get receivers open deep down the field. When you only score on a fake punt and your best passer, again, is your punter, that tells you the issues you're having. Their offensive line was atrocious. I don't know what the problem is there. This offensive line should be a lot better. I don't know if it's because of the coaching. I don't know if it's because of the illness to Coach Atkins. And you've got uh, a support a support individual, an analyst uh, handling much of the duties, I guess. They haven't said a whole lot about it, though I don't think Coach Atkins, to my knowledge, has been at the games in a while. And that offensive line just – they could create, could create no room for running backs. Uh, they could not protect the quarterback. They were atrocious. It's no wonder that they're one of the uh, worst teams in the country in terms of giving up tackles for loss. They're like – a hundred and twenty something in the country, in, in in allowing tackles for loss. That tells you they're not getting the job done up front. Yeah. But then again, the defense bears its uh, share of the responsibility from a Gamecock standpoint. Four straight possessions for Florida. Points on all four possessions. Long drives. Couldn't get them off the field. Twenty four nothing in the blink of an eye, and you're you're meat in the swamp. You're absolutely meat. So. Bad, bad performance for the Gamecocks. That was bad Gamecocks. Um, I got a feeling they are going to get obliterated, obliterated in their next two games. It's going to be, if I were a Gamecock fan, I don't think I'd show up, to be honest with you. There is no way, no way they can play with Tennessee. None. Zero. Nada. 21 points is not enough. And then, you know, Clemson. They'll just be looking to to beat little brother again like they have for seven straight years. It's gonna be ugly the next two weekends. So I agree. Yeah, I just I don't see any way I mean, around. I, really I, do. I don't see any other way. You know, going into this game against Florida, I kind of gave the Gamecocks uh, a, a decent chance. I spoke at the Sumter Touchdown Club that morning, Friday morning, and you know, kind of gave the folks there kind of an optimistic uh, view of the weekend of the game because now they'd beaten Vanderbilt. Um, no great shakes there, but still it was a road win. Then Vanderbilt goes and beats Kentucky, so maybe that was a better win than you give them credit for. But it's just you know losing to Florida is no great shame down there. But to just not do anything right with your offense or your defense is inexcusable at this stage of the season for a team with the veteran players. You can cite the absence of Marshawn Lloyd. Don't want to hear it. You should have players ready to go, though. I don't think Jaheim Bell, even though Shane Beamer thinks Jaheim Bell's a great running back, I don't think Jaheim Bell's a great running back. He's an athlete who can play running back. He's better if you put him at tight end or maybe at wide receiver and get him out in space. There was one play where he was running, that he was running to the outside from the running back position, and one of the Florida defenders ran him down from the backside. I don't know if he came all the way across the formation or just off the edge, but the point is Bell doesn't have the speed to get the edge on those kind of plays. And the Florida player just ran him down easily and threw him down for a loss. So 
they got to figure something out if Lloyd's not able to go because of the thigh contusion. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see on that. But it really doesn't matter because, you know, I think Tennessee, if they want to put 70 on the Gamecocks, they'll put 70. He put 66 mm-hmm. on Missouri, a team the Gamecocks scored 10 against, <laughs> and Tennessee scored 66, has had 734 yards, I believe it was. And, they, and they're trying to impress the committee, you know, you know that's going to open up some eyes when you beat somebody that badly, and they'll try and do the same thing to the Gamecocks. So, sorry to be that way, but it is what it is. Uh, and Pat and Chris, you got to stand by. We'll get to you in a second on Coastal. Pat, you were up at Clemson, and the Tigers had their sort of get-right win against um, against Louisville, uh, a team that we thought going in might give Clemson a little bit better of, of, of a, you know, I guess they did give them a pretty good battle there into the into the third quarter, fourth quarter. They lost their quarterback right there before halftime. He shouldn't have tried to be a hero. You can't run through an entire defense for 70 yards by yourself and not expect to get dinged. And that was too bad that Cunningham went down. But in your mind, Pat, did Clemson correct enough things that we saw in the Notre Dame game to uh, – finish out the season in strong fashion and then go beat North Carolina in the ACC championship game to finish the regular season I believe yes against North Carolina I think not yet determined uh we'll have to see how they play these these next two weeks they'll face a fairly decent quarterback from Miami this coming weekend so we'll see how they how the secondary if he's healthy that is true if he's healthy they've got health issues at at Miami they do but where I'm going with that is is North Carolina has a tremendous quarterback right now. And <laughs> even though he may be somewhat inexperienced, I'm not sure if he has been into a raucous atmosphere like he'll be at in an ACC championship game. <clears throat> but then again, he may have a lot of home fans of his own with the game being up in Charlotte, not too far from Chapel Hill. But now for this game on Saturday, the Tigers came out and it looked like they came out very angry. They came out on a mission to prove some of the doubters wrong and to prove that Notre Dame game may have been an aberration and was the exception, not the rule. DJ came out and, and was strong. He was 19 of 27 for 185 yards. So not a ton of not a ton of yards, still not taking a ton of downfield shots. But I'll tell you guys, what I really think set the tone for that game, and if this had not gone this way, we may have seen a very different game on Saturday was the opening drive for the Tigers. They had third and, I believe it was 15, uh, backed up in their own 25, 30-yard line, whatever. And DJ connected with Joseph Ngata for 24 yards down the left sideline. They took a deep shot earlier in this game. Remember, last week, nine of their first 10 passes of the game, the entire first quarter, were either five yards or less. Five of those 10 passes were in the backfield, behind the line of scrimmage. This time, Streeter trusted DJ a little bit to take a shot down the field. Uh, DJ trusted his receiver and got to, go, to just go up and make a play. Mm-hmm. It was one of those 50-50 balls we uh, grew so accustomed to seeing from this Clemson team in years past when they had the big receivers on the outside. That, I think, set the tone. Uh, you can never underestimate in sports the impact of confidence and momentum, in particular when a team or a player is struggling. And we have seen DJ not only struggling, he was benched each of the previous two games, but also just seeing all the talking heads, us included, kind of questioning whether he should even still be the starting quarterback, questioning what is going on with the quarterback situation in Clemson. Uh, Dabo Sweeney hinted at this after the game, that this was a, quote, make-it-or-break-it game for DJ, and Mm -hmm. that the coaching staff, if DJ did not perform, if they had to bench him again for the freshman Cade Klubnick, they were going to have to make a very tough decision moving forward the rest of the season about whether to just go ahead and hand the reins off to the freshman. But I really think that opening drive 
set the tone for the rest of the game. The defense, we knew, we found out right before kickoff that Barrett Carter, I'm sorry, not Barrett Carter, um, help me out, uh, one of the juniors, wasn't Jeremiah Trotter, one of the starting linebackers. Simpson. Thank you, Jerome Simpson was, was out for the game. We learned that right before. Right before. Not Jerome, Trenton. Trenton, I'm all over the place tonight. Apologies, long sorry. Monday. So we learned, and I'm trying to cut your mic so everybody sorry, can hear you. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, point being, the other guys stepped up. We saw, we saw the defense just really come alive. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. had uh, 12 tackles, seven um, by himself. Barrett Carter had eight. Uh, between the two of them, they had four tackles for loss and an interception. Barrett Carter added two, two sacks. The run defense was great. Yes, Malik Cunningham's injury at the end of the first half totally changed the game in the, in the second half. But let's not forget that their backup quarterback has started three games for them this season with previous injuries to the quarterback. Uh, we also learned right before the game, and I'll admit it, shame on us for not knowing throughout the week. Last Wednesday, Louisville first announced it. We missed it. Malik Cunningham, not sure if he broke a bone or had some kind of injury to a bone in his left hand, his non-throwing hand. He had a, it looked kind of like the hamburger helper glove from those commercials. He had a massive glove on his left hand. So throughout the first half, the only time he ran left the entire time where he'd be having to cradle the ball in that left hand was on that final run of the half where he got hurt, where he kind of ran sideline to sideline before going downfield, then took a big shot. We learned after the game that he landed on his throwing shoulder, his right shoulder, and they just did not want to risk further injury at that point. But, but Clemson really did come out with something to prove, but I stand by that opening drive really set the tone. All right, very good. And, Chris, you saw Coastal Carolina get it done without their starting quarterback. In fact, they went down to their number three quarterback, used their three and their two, but yep. efficient enough. They got the win. They clinched the division championship. Happy, happy days there. And also, of course, now Coastal scheduled to play at Virginia on Saturday, so Coastal gets thrown into the mix with this very tragic story up in Charlottesville. Part of the reason I was running a little late to jump on board, uh, Matt Hogue, the athletics director at, at Coastal, was kind enough to give me a call and said at this point in time, they, they have not made a decision on the game Saturday, Phil, but he said that's obviously not the biggest deal, whether or not they actually play on Saturday. My guess is we'll find out something middle of the week. I, I just can't imagine what Virginia is dealing with and if they actually want to play the game on Saturday. It, it's a non-conference game. really doesn't mean a whole lot. It would have, you know, from a football perspective, it would be a really big deal for Coastal in particular if they were able to beat Virginia and, and sort of add a Power 5 win to their resume and, and put them at 10-1 on the season. It, it may help their – you know, chances to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. But aside from that, I mean, that's so far down the line of, of things that are important. And this sort of what Matt stressed to me, he said, you know, we're, we're not even worried about the game right now. We want to find out what how Virginia is handling things. So uh, uh, just that I can't imagine how the uh, UVA program and, and Tony Elliott and those guys are dealing with what they're, they're having to they been They've been handled or at, at least been, you know, given over, over the last 24 hours. It's just a horrible, horrible circumstance. But that being said, uh, to Coastal's win on Saturday, a terrific game for them and a terrific game, period. You're talking about a, a contest that went back and forth, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, Coastal had to uh, deal with uh, two different quarterbacks. They, re- they started Jarrett Guest. We actually anticipated that maybe 
we would see more of Bryce Carpenter than we would Jarrett Guest. That was not actually the case. We saw Jarrett Guest. He threw the ball extremely well early, and Coastal did what they, they have done in years past, or at least in, throughout this season. They got out to an early lead and then had to put it on cruise control. They left 17 nothing after the end of the first quarter, and it was 17-17 to at, at halftime. And then they had to fight and scrap and crawl, uh, crawl to get the win in the uh, fourth quarter. But uh, props to them. They got to 9-1, got the win they had to have, and they have clinched the uh, division championship. Now the question is, what will they do on Saturday? Will they play? And if they don't, I mean, it's not going to affect what happens in the uh, Sun Belt. But how would that, you know, sort of handle the situation going into uh, next week when they face James Madison to uh, wrap up the regular season two weeks from now? Yeah, so just to be clear, what you're saying is from what you've been told, there is some conversation taking place among authorities regarding whether or not that game will be sure. played. It's not definite one way or the other. It could be scratched. It, exactly. Yeah, uh, from what Matt was telling me, it's, it's the situation where the football game is obviously a way down the list of priorities right now. And I, I guess we'll find out a little bit later on in the week as to what Virginia wants to do. And I'm sure Coastal will, will go along with whatever UVA decides. All right. A couple of other things. We'll get to your phone calls. 888-898-2525. Charleston Southern announced today that they will not renew the contract of Autry Denson as their football coach. Altry Denson, the all-time leading rusher at Notre Dame and an all-time great human being. Anybody who's ever met him and talked to him will say that. But didn't win enough at Charleston Southern, a record of 14-22, and 11-11 in Big South play, which you would think that might have um, to go 11-11 in the Big South. It's not too bad. When you think about it, now the overall record, 14-22, and 22, but you throw in the fact they're playing some money games in there and things are certainly stacked against you, but they've decided to go in a, in a different direction. Altry Denson, we wish him the best because he was always good to us as a sports talk show, joining us on the phone, in person, and just a tremendous uh, individual. I'm sure he'll find um, employment somewhere else and do a, and do a great, great job. And uh, also, of course, uh, on Sunday, <clears throat> the Division Two playoff bracket was announced. Limestone, incredible story. Limestone in Benedict, incredible story. Undefeated, eleven and zero in Newberry, conference champion. Out, did not get picked. Did not get in at large, and that was. That was a shock. I got to believe when the committee looked at it, I guess they looked at Limestone having a win over Newberry, though Newberry had a win over Winget, and Winget got in. So who knows what they were thinking, but Newberry stays home this time. Limestone is going, and Coach Furry, what a job he did. He took over a program that had a long losing streak and made them into a winner in his second go-around in his first year, and then the job that Coach Barry has done there at Benedict might be the greatest job in the country at any level to go undefeated and get them into the Division II playoffs for the first time. So look forward to following those. And, of course, Furman, big win for Furman. They're getting it together. Big win for Furman at Mercer on Saturday. The Paladins have climbed to number 12 in the uh, national ranking in FCS, put themselves in great position as far as making – the playoffs and still in the hunt for that Southern Conference championship, depending on what happens the rest of the way. So 
there you go with that. And we'll talk about uh, some other notes, have some recruiting for you as well. 888-898-2525 is our number. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number on Sports Talk. Since 2002, more than $829 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund lottery tuition assistance for students attending technical colleges in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for fun is a win for education. So we begin with your phone calls. Hear what's on your mind tonight. We're going to step aside and let you, um, let you kind of take the show. And you know what? Because next week's going to be a little bit of a shorter week because there's no show on Thanksgiving. South Carolina Clemson game right around the corner. I like to do this the week before and then carry it into the next week. We'll start taking your predictions on the South Carolina Clemson, Clemson, South Carolina game. We'll keep a list here so we can refer to it as we move through this week and next week. So as we take your phone calls, if you are ready, you want to give a prediction, Gamecocks, Tigers, Tigers, Gamecocks, then feel free to share with us. With that said, let's go to Ted in Belton. Up in Is it in Belton? We're going to go to Ted in Honeyapath. I'm sorry, Ted, I had you in the wrong town. Uh, Ted in Honeyapath. Welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm well. It's Ed, E-D-D, but that's okay. Ed with two Ds? Yep, that's it. Wait a minute. You spell your name Ed with two Ds? Yep, short for Eddie. Everybody's got to be different. Okay. Ed, Ed, that's what threw me off. I thought for sure you said T-E-D. That's my my apologies. That's okay. (laughs) You know who you are, and that's all that matters. That's okay. Listen, I was glad to see uh, uh, my Tigers. I'm a 1990 graduate. Come out and establish the run early with DJ specifically. I think that gives him more confidence at the beginning of a game and even during it. Um, All that being said, and look, I think – We'll beat Miami handily. I'll go ahead and give you my prediction for the uh, little brother game, too. I think it's Clemson 38, South Carolina 3. I don't think they'll get a touchdown against us. All that being said, I don't think this team's playoff worthy. Uh, If we were to backdoor our way in, I can see us getting, you know, both placed by whoever's left. What would you guys think about that? Well, and thank you very much for the phone call. The Tigers had some good fortune for them this past weekend. A, they won their game, which was of the utmost importance. Then B, Oregon lost, and that was big, and UCLA lost, and that was big. So two other teams with one loss took a second loss, eliminating them from the postseason. Alabama's out. Uh, certainly I think the feeling is at LSU, even if they win the SEC championship with their two losses, if they beat Georgia no. in the SEC championship, do you not think they deserve to be in? Absolutely they're going to be in. You think they'll be in with two losses? Yes. The with committee losses has never, ever, ever taken two-loss team. They've never had to deal with an SEC champion with two losses. True. And they're going to have to, in that scenario, I can't imagine you keep LSU out of there. Well, you know, the basketball committee, when they're picking their team, what's one thing they always look at? 
when they're picking their their at large bids. How did you know how did the committee deals? Well, how how did you play like over your last ten games? In other words, were you playing good foot? Were you playing good basketball down the stretch? Uh, I don't know why the football selection committee doesn't consider the same concept, you know. But if you're Clemson, you're sitting there now. You're ninth in the AP poll, even behind Alabama and LSU that have two losses, and you're sitting. What does that tell you about what the writers think of the SEC compared to the ACC? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, if you're Clemson, you hope that UCLA can beat Southern Cal this weekend. And Southern Cal takes a second loss, and you don't really have to worry about Alabama. LSU winning the SEC championship, you know, that could be a problem. Uh, You know Michigan and Ohio State, one of those is going to take a loss. But, uh, again, if they lose in a classic battle, the loser, do you leave them out? Do you leave out a one-loss Ohio State or one-loss Michigan that loses in a classic battle between the two? Um, if you're not a champion, I've, I've got no problem you getting left out. But in your scenario that you just laid out, LSU is a two-loss SEC champion. And I don't think they'll leave them out. Well, that and committee. That's, that's going to be an interesting deal. That will be breaking some new ground. Hit the break and we'll be right back. back it's sports talk sports talk media network monday after phil cornblue pat daniel chris bergen and your phone calls continuing in a moment let me clarify we've had a couple of people one person as i was walking into the studio and then a caller espn's main morning show game day is not coming to columbia the junior varsity the sec nation (laughs) the junior varsity is coming now ESPN is using their number one broadcast crew in Columbia for this game. For some reason, they're sending Fowler, Herb Street, and Holly Rowe to do the game. And it's actually their number two crew. That's their two crew? No. Uh, well, in my opinion. Well, because no, I think but, Sean McDonough and, and Todd Blackledge are no, light that's years a, better. That's, that's a matter that's a, of that's personal, personal taste. opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and there also be national radio is going to be here with uh, – Sloan Martin and Mike Golick Jr. So people are very interested for some reason in this game. I'm afraid that I'm afraid it'll be a terrible broadcast in that I don't think it's going to be a ball game by the second half. Maybe the Gamecocks will shock us. I mean, they shock you when they lay an egg. Maybe they'll they'll shock you by playing a good team extremely well. I was just thinking over the last two years, and I can go back and look it up. Well, I'll bring this up in a minute once once we get back to phone calls. I don't want to hold up the people. But I do want to do this. Uh, I've got some people writing to us on our on our stream, and I want to answer them very quickly. One is from um, Tanner, who says, um, am I going to the Beamer press conference tomorrow? Need somebody there that's going to ask some tough questions and not throw him softball questions. I will be at Clemson tomorrow. Pat will be at Beamer tomorrow. No, no, Chris, you'll be at Beamer no, I'll tomorrow. I'll be over there. Yeah. All right. You, uh, you, Exa- get, you dial exactly up the hard, what, the hard stuff. Well, I mean, what hard questions are we going to ask? Do you want to fire question. your offense coordinator? Well, he's not going to answer that. So, 
I mean, I don't know what hard questions you could ask him. I think he's smart enough to realize that their offense is abysmal and there, there need to be changes. Now, the one interesting th- factor I think needs to be discussed is why is Luke Doty not getting more playing time? Well, I think he answered that after the ball game. They've played and him I don't four buy games. That. Yeah, they've played yeah. His answer was, I, I think they're holding him for a red shirt. So, so you want to lose out the rest of the season and then go into next year with Luke? I, I don't. If you, if you are trying to improve your program, play your best players. And obviously, Spencer Rattler, for whatever reason, is not the guy for this offense. I mean, how many more games do we have to to watch them play where the offense doesn't move with him as quarterback? Mm -hmm. Excellent point. Excellent point. To add on to that, and I'm going to get some flack for this, but quite frankly, I think it needs to be said. How do you expect to win a game when the only touchdown pass is thrown from your punter, your leading rusher is your backup tight end, and your leading receiver is your fourth or fifth string quarterback? Mm. It's tough. How are you expecting to win with – with that game plan, I just I don't understand. Very tough. Now I cut them some slack on the running back position because they've, they've dealt with injuries, but at, at the quarterback position, they were pretty healthy. How how much longer do we have to run out and and watch Spencer Rattler play before you realize for whatever reason mm-hmm. he's not the guy? Yeah, or it's not the offense, right? So you're the wrong, wrong quarterback in this offense or the wrong offense for the quarterback. I guess you know, figure it out. You get paid a lot of money. They get paid a lot of money. The coordinators get paid 900000 And I'm not giving the defense a pass. They stunk, too, on Saturday. They got manhandled. The touchdown run by ETN, I mean, seriously, you could have driven a U-Haul truck through that hole. Now, he was running behind. I think they were running behind that really outstanding guard that transferred in from Louisiana who's considered, like, the best offensive lineman in the country. And he opened up a hole, and, I mean, there was no one touching ETN once he hit the hole. It was, boom, he was gone. It was like that all night. You don't run for 270-some-odd yards in the first half or 260-something yards in the first half unless somebody's doing a job up front. And, of course, Gamecock defensive line didn't respond, and there you go. You had that kind of beatdown. A couple more things here. Uh, Rod writes us and says Newberry was robbed. Uh, I would agree. And then David writes in uh, Clemson 42, USC 10. So we've gotten two predictions so far. We are going ahead and starting the uh, prediction machine here. You want to make a prediction on USC and Clemson noon, a week from Saturday, up at Death Valley. All right, back to the phones. Oh, do you want to Back say to something Rob's about Newberry? Before yeah. we do that, quickly, Phil, about Newberry. I, I don't understand how D2, and we talked about this last weekend, and Coach Knight actually said, you know, he wasn't sure as to how things would play out in the playoffs. But from a standpoint where you win your conference championship and you're not in, but two teams in your league are who didn't win the conference title, uh, Division Two's got an issue. Didn't he say that? The champion of the South Atlantic Conference, like historically, has always made the playoffs. He, he always did say gotten that. In. He now, did say that. They lost two the games. Is, they lost mm-hmm. two games. They lost to Carson Newman and they lost to Limestone. And the Carson yep. Newman, now they were down their quarterback in one of those games. I think it was the Carson Newman game. They were they were down their quarterback. Does that matter when they start making these decisions, or do they just look at the final score? That's a great question. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I really don't. I think Newberry should have been in the postseason. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. Okay, let's continue with the calls because they are lining up. What you got, Pat? 
I just feel like I need to, sorry, callers, need to at least mention, by the way, we haven't even said yet, Friday night, what an incredible basketball game we had here in Columbia. Rivalry game to kick off rivalry month here in November mm. between Clemson and South Carolina with the Gamecocks walking away 60-58. to 58. We had a, a shot right before the buzzer. We had, right before that, Clemson's Bre- Brevin Galloway tying the game with two free throws with seven seconds left. Chico Carter, a Columbia native, Cardinal Newman, racing down the floor, knocking down a turnaround jumper with eight-tenths of a second left. Uh, seeing another Columbia native, Gigi Jackson, have a great game with 12 points, eight boards. Uh, we've heard Carolina fans scream for years about Frank Martin not necessarily taking advantage of in-state talent, and now we see the Gamecocks winning, being led by in-state talent. Clemson showed up. The fans were there. The student body was there. Only the second time in 20 years the game has been played in front of the student body, and it was a it was an electric atmosphere in the CLA Friday night. I just want to make sure we at least – give that a little bit of attention and you were there and Pat, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think pat is spot on on everything he just said but my point is we're 40 minutes into the show and we finally bring up college basketball you're right and that's the biggest problem about it being played in november i, I, I and i have to admit uh pat pointed out last week phil that that he was excited about the uh, possibility that there might be a decent crowd because the uh, students would be there mm-hmm. and it was a tremendous crowd 13 it really was mm-hmm. i mean it was outstanding crowd a great environment and maybe that's the the case but the problem is we're 40 minutes into the show and we finally bring up the point that south carolina beat clemson in men's basketball and that should never happen because if it were football or baseball, that would be the lead story of the show. <clears throat> and especially from the standpoint that South Carolina had 47 of their points scored by South Carolinians yep. in that ball game. 9 of 19 on threes, 22 rebounds. The Gamecocks dominated the backboards. And if they out-rebound teams the way they do mm-hmm. or did against Clemson, mm-hmm. they're going to be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. And Gigi Jackson is, is a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. He Not was the uh, SEC Freshman of the Week. Mm-hmm. People, I'm trying to get the phone calls, but these <laughs> these show hogs won't let me talk. But I will say one more thing here. 43 minutes into the show, the Packers did beat the dirt-licking Cowboys to prove, once again, who is truly America's team <laughs> yesterday. Now I'm back interested in the NFL again after that. All right, to the phones we go once again. Talk quickly, people, so we can get as many folks in as possible. Doing the best I can. Let's go to Delvin in Fountain Inn. Delvin, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? We're doing fine. Yeah, I was going to say that. I see Clemson's office uh, gets going with DJ running the ball. It it, it settles the offense down me because you can do everything else. Once he runs the ball, that's when the offense seems like it's clicking because you can you can get you get like you get like you get confidence and stuff. You see him throwing the ball real good. The offense clicking the offense when he's running the ball. Oh, I agree. I think that was something that they uh, worked on during the week was to get him more involved in the running game, to make him more of a runner, not necessarily just a passer. Take that kind of off of him, that pressure, and it loosened him up, and they did some good things. But, Pat, they turned the ball over too many times again, right? They put the ball on the ground, and that hurt him. And, um, but from a passing standpoint, Uyangalale was was fairly accurate. And they had some big plays uh, in the passing game. But I think it starts – I think you're going to see this moving forward with Clemson in the, their next three games and into their bowl game, whatever it happens to be, their postseason game. You're going to see that running game um, primarily with Shipley, who's closing in on 1,000 yards. But they're going to give Uyangalale uh, more calls, probably more predetermined runs for him because they see him being an effective weapon. DJ even mentioned after the game, a reporter asked whether he likes getting hit early in the game because he scored that opening touchdown. 
And he, he mentioned how he did that. He liked the fact that Streeter not only allowed him to throw the ball downfield in the opening drive, but also to scramble more and to get hit because that kind of gets the juices flowing, kind of gets not only your confidence, but just gets you more pumped up for the game to get hit, to jump right back up. You did mention the turnovers, and yeah, that, that was bad. Uh, Clemson, four fumbles, lost three of them. Uh, Shipley put the ball on the ground twice, lost one, uh, and got a recovered the other one. They are going to have to clean that up especially if you're looking at a game against North Carolina where that may become a shootout mm. where, yes, you're going to hope your defense slows them down, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, a repeat of what we saw in Wake Forest where it's whoever has the ball last is going to have a chance to win, and the difference there may become turnovers. All right, thank you for the phone call. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Let's get in a couple of others here before we have to take a break here on Sports Talk. We go to Andy in Columbia. Next in line, Andy, welcome in. How are you? Corn, Chris, Pat, I'm doing well. First off, um, thoughts and prayers to the UVA family. That's just horrendous what happened up there. Number two, happy birthday to you there, Mr. Corn. Is it 66 or 67? Is that today? (laughs) Today's the 14th. Yeah. Is your birthday today, Phil? Yeah, it is. I actually. What? uh, Yeah. 66 or 67? Well, put it this way. I've assumed control by name of a major oil company known as Phillips 66. Okay, because my brother would have been 67 coming up. So okay. Here, well, happy birthday, why. Corn. Well, you should let you. us happy know birthday. that. I don't yeah. make a big deal out happy of it. Happy birthday to you there, you old man. Everybody's okay. got one. <laughs> okay, a couple of things. First off, what happened to our offensive line <laughs> that was supposed to be, five, you know, Super seniors, fifth-year players, all these veterans coming back, going to be the the you know the 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 killers of the offense. I guess they really are the killers of the offense because they're just you know awaiting everybody. Mm. What happened? I mean, uh, I, I I truly can't answer that. I don't know why that off from the really from the very beginning. Of course, hard to tell against Georgia State, but. Um, Go back to Arkansas, and uh, actually, they did. They did they, well, they scored thirty points against Arkansas. I put some yards on the board there, but you could just—I don't know—you could just see against these the the premier teams that they played, the better teams that they played. Georgia, of course, but Georgia has a great defense. The thing that had to be disappointing here is that Florida doesn't have a great defense, at least statistically. Going into the game, they were down at the bottom of the SEC and stopping the run, giving up over two hundred. 220 yards a game, I think it was. And the Gamecocks just could not attack that. They they could not make any room against that defensive front. They, they made them you know, look like they were just um, killers up there and and they weren't. I mean, they weren't they weren't going in, but they certainly came out of it looking like a great defense. So, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's just lack of ability, um, what they're trying to do scheme-wise. Uh, I don't know. It would seem to me you could just get in the way of some people and accidentally open up some running lanes for people, but they did none of that against Florida. And with the defense, you know, you're talking about the rushing this past weekend. Missouri tore us apart rushing. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt tore us apart rushing. This isn't anything new that just happened this past weekend. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, what, what, we're like Swiss cheese out there. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not going to put a score for the Clemson game coming up because I'm just thinking about Tennessee. 
Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if they put a Benjamin on us. I mean, it, it would it, it wouldn't. Well, what do you think Tennessee's it, going it, to do? It, Tennessee has a better offense than Clemson. Saying. Tennessee's going to put a bench. Oh, you're on. saying Tennessee? Oh, you're not looking. Yeah, I okay. said right now I'm not ready okay. for the Clemson prediction. Yeah. I think this weekend I'm looking at Tennessee putting a Benjamin on us. And I'll tell you what, Mr. Hyatt's going to come in here and light us up. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you they're going to feed him and feed him and feed him, and that man can catch a ball and run the ball and know where it belongs in the end zone. And it looks but like it gets it, me. When our best passer is our punter, and then the man who they say can't play wide receiver, I'll tell you what, no one sure could catch him when he caught the ball this past weekend. And that was not an easy catch. And if I remember that was either. if I remember that was kind of an older over the shoulder type of catch. Um, and he made a nice catch and, and took off. I, I don't know. I can't I'm not there. We're not in practice. We can only go by what we're we're told in various press briefings. It's hard to it is hard to explain, but they could be really embarrassed, really embarrassed by Tennessee this weekend. And it looks like Cedric Tillman will be back for Tennessee after missing. I mean, they put 66 on the board without one of their top receivers being available in Cedric Tillman. Uh, they're expecting him to be back for this game. So it could be the embarrassment on ESPN this weekend. It that's, could be quite embarrassing. Absolutely. All right. And just one yeah. last thing, congratulations to Coach Paris for – taking out Clemson Force this weekend. That was great. It was a great game to watch. Good ball game. Good ball game. Y'all yeah, have good a, crowd. Y'all have a great one. Thank and you. Happy birthday again, Phil. Thank Enjoy you, sir. Day. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I can't uh, believe the it's game your is birthday a sellout. And you didn't, didn't let anybody know. I mean, it's, it's a personal day. It's a personal thing. I don't, I don't you know, talk about uh, those things. I just let birthdays come and go, man. Just another day. <laughs> you know, to, to Will Muschamp, Thanksgiving's just a meal. To me, birthday's just another work day, you know, unless it falls on a Sunday. Otherwise, it's a work day. I was going to say USC Tennessee is a sellout. I think there's going to be a lot of Tennessee orange yeah, in that crowd. that's my concern. It is a sellout. Clemson men's soccer team, number six seed for the NCAA tournament. USC women's soccer team advanced with a win uh, over the weekend as well. Be back in a moment. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan makes it easy. Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. 
South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut of Sports Talk here with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. What words of wisdom do you have for those hitting the water this summer? Phil, collisions can be prevented easily if every vessel operator fulfills three major responsibilities. One, practice good seamanship. It's the responsibility of every boat or PWC operator to take all necessary action to avoid a collision. Two, keep a proper lookout. Failing to keep a sharp lookout is the most common cause of boating collisions. And finally, maintain a safe speed. Remember, boat safe, boat smart. I was talking to my pal Jimmy Smith today down at... uh, Pauly's Island Vacations and Rentals, and I wanted to uh, remind everybody that when you're starting to make your plans for the upcoming vacation season, or maybe you don't have to wait that long, maybe you want something in the fall or winter, Jimmy is the man to call. Paulysvacationrentals.com is where you can go online or give them a call at James Smith Real Estate. That's right there in Litchfield, Pauly's Island. 843-237-4246, or Perfect Beach Getaway. The beach is open for business. Last storm did not do a heck of a lot of damage. Recovered from the previous one. So they are open for business. They are encouraging folks to come on down and enjoy the Grand Strand of South Carolina. Again, that number, 843-237-4246, PauliesVacationRentals.com. Shall we continue with the phone calls if you people will allow? Let's go to Keith in Camden for our next phone call. Keith, good to have you with us. How are you? Hey, Phil. I'm doing great. And happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. Uh, Look, just a general comment. You know, last year, things ended on a positive note. Uh, I think uh, I've been pretty adamant. Nothing to do with character, but I've never been a big fan of 
Tanner's hiring process. Muschamp didn't work out. And uh, I think Beamer's a great guy. I loved him when he was on Spurrier's staff. But, um, you know, Saturday night in the next two weeks, uh, could really uh, shine some uh, bright lights on a over uh, just a, just a big cluster. I mean, this, this could get ugly. <laughs> I got a feeling. I mean, unless, yeah. but yeah. look, I mean, I've been wrong before, like every week. But I mean, I got a feeling unless the Gamecocks do something about it, they're going to get murdered the next two weekends. Yeah, and 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 to end the year that way makes you kind of step back and look and say, okay, great guy, never been offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, um, you know. But you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So I think there's obviously areas that we know. Uh, I mean, you know, we keep talking about the offense, but my gosh, me and you could have ran through those holes Saturday night. Amazing what Florida <laughs> did. I mean, it yeah, really was. It was. That was that it was shocking. Was ugly. And it was shocking the Gamecocks couldn't move the ball against that Florida defense unless that Florida defense was a lot better than – what it showed on paper statistically, but apparently, you know, you are what your numbers and your record says you are. And if things yeah. hold out, the Gamecocks will be seeing six and six, three and five, just like they were last year. Last year, yeah, it was yeah, thought of as yeah. a great accomplishment. I think this well, year they finished mm-hmm. six and six, three and five. It's going to be a disappointment to people. Well, particularly with the way the last three games possibly will go, uh, it will be a major disappointment. And, um, uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, a couple more years of the same stuff, and we do it over again. So not a good place. Enjoy the show. Thank you, man. All right, y'all. Thank you. Now, the Gamecocks have played five ranked teams in the two years under Beamer thus far. They've won one of those. That was Kentucky this year. The other four losses, none of them really competitive. We'll see what they do against Tennessee. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Across the state of South Carolina, we're so glad that you are with us. Hope your day's gone okay. Hope you had a good weekend. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on the program. Coming up, Zach Willis, first and 10 at the bottom of the hour. Got some recruiting coming up as well. I want to remind you that if you haven't done so already, you can vote in the Mr. Football Reader Poll provided by the Touchstone Energy folks on their website, South Carolina Living, the best of the Palmetto State. Just go to scliving.coop backslash touchstone, take you right to it, and you can vote for Mr. Football. Jarvis Green, Bryson James, Raheem Jeter, Xavier McLeod, Joa Norris, Lenoris Sellers, Tyler Smith. Those are the finalists. Now, this is just... 
a reader's poll. This does not determine the winner of Mr. Football. That's done by a committee. But Can we vote? Yeah, anybody can vote. Okay. Anybody can vote. Absolutely. Dive in there. Let your voice be heard. <laughs> but seriously, let's get that vote in and show the folks at Touchstone Energy that uh, you are supportive of the Mr. Football program and are interested in these uh, these young men. It's going to be a Do tough you know, call by the committee because all these guys are having great years or have had great years. Exactly. And that was sort of my point. Do you know how? when do they finally make that, that final call? It's done um, about – the time they go down to the beach for the all-star week. all right so they yeah. so they unlike the heisman they actually factor in the postseason as well oh yes yeah as far as i know yes mm-hmm. so like jarvis green who's having a terrific year at dutch fork and obviously uh lenore sellers at, mm-hmm. at south florence uh, all that they do during the postseason will be factored in as well mm-hmm. uh, yes sir yes sir a couple of other things to pass along and then we'll get back to your phone calls triple eight eight nine eight two five two five <clears throat> Furman linebacker Braden Gilby, Southern Conference def- uh, Defensive Player of the Week, his performance in the win over Mercer. Game high, 12 tackles, three for loss, and a sack. West Virginia fired their AD, Shane Lyons, today, which could put their co- uh, football coach in, in jeopardy. And uh, college football championship odds now from Bet Online: Georgia's 10-11, Ohio State's 5-2. Michigan seven to one, Tennessee twelve to one, TCU eighteen to one, Clemson LSU Southern Cal forty to one, Heisman odds Stroud is six to five, Hooker's four to one, Corum and May Drake May it, they are six to one, Coastal's regular season finale at James Madison November twenty sixth, kickoff at noon on ESPNU, so you'll have the Gamecocks and Tigers at noon and the Shots at noon as well and uh, we've also got to tell you here that uh, we told you that um miami mario cristobal uh, getting ready to bring in uh, his team to take on the tigers uh they've got issues at quarterback they had to play a backup quarterback and they beat georgia tech with a backup quarterback now their regular quarterback van dyke could be ready to play this week against clemson uh, time will tell as the week progresses, NCAA stats this week. Total offense for Clemson, number 53. Defense, 32. Scoring offense and scoring defense are number 28. Tigers are fourth in the red zone offense, seventh in team tackles for loss. Uyangale is 48th in passing efficiency. For Coastal, 37th offense, 95th on defense, 45th scoring 74th against the score, second in fumbles recovered, fifth in turnovers gained, seventh in turnover margin, fifth in team passing efficiency, eighth in passing yards per completion, Grayson McCall fourth in passing efficiency. All that is really good. Gamecocks, NCAA stats this week, total offense 92, total defense 78, scoring offense 69, scoring defense 68, Second in block kicks and punts. Fourth in punt returns. Fifth in kickoff returns. Sixth in net punting. Spencer Rattler, 85th in passing efficiency. And our poll question of the week. Statistically, Spencer Rattler is not having a great year. In fact, he's having the worst season of his college career. Statistically, he was expected to be a one-year guy. But the pros might not be interested enough. 
as a USC fan, would you be excited about Rattler returning next season? 357 votes in today. 51.8% say no. Wow. Would not be excited. 48.2% say yes. So pretty much a, a split vote there. But you know what? There's That's a possibility that he could be back next year if he, sure. if he chooses. If he doesn't get the good grades from the NFL people. And he's got talent. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that he does not have talent. It's just a situation where he has not played all that well. And would you be disappointed that he, that he returns or disappointed that he starts next year? That, that may be a better question. Because I, I think have him, having him come back into that quarterback room might actually be a good thing. Now, whether or not he's the, the incumbent starter, because we all believed he was going to be the starter going into this year, and for whatever reason, Shane Beamer and the offensive staff are uncomfortable or will, unwilling to maneuver him out of there and give somebody else a shot. Uh, will they have that same sort of mentality next year? And if that's the case, then Rattler's got to play a whole lot better than he has this year. Well, you know, they say there's competition at every position. That's what they say. I don't think there's been any competition at quarterback. I would agree. I would I mean, agree wholeheartedly. I think, I think they sold their soul to Spencer Rattler, to be honest with you, to get him to come. And I think mm-hmm. they made a commitment that he was going to start come hell or high water, no matter what, no matter really how you play. Yep. And that's bad coaching. I mean, if the guy's not getting it done, maybe it's not all his fault, but maybe, <clears throat> maybe there's somebody else who can go in there and be more effective in that offensive scheme. That offensive scheme requires a mobile quarterback. Well, let me rephrase that. That offensive line requires a mobile quarterback. (laughs) That offensive line does not require a quarterback who can just – I mean, you can't – you don't have the time to sit back in the pocket and and look downfield and let your route tree play out and find – and look over here, look over there, look over here against the good teams, maybe against your run-of-the-mill teams that you can beat – and the Gamecocks have proven in their two years under Rattler, they can beat the average to below average team. They just can't beat the above average and superior yep. team, except for the only ranked win was against Kentucky. But we all know Kentucky didn't have their quarterback and was basically playing with one arm behind its back on offense. I mean, and how good is Kentucky? I mean, now that we realize yeah. that they may not be as good as we thought they were, and neither is Texas A and M. I mean, Vanderbilt beat Kentucky. And they were fully sense. loaded. They had they yeah. had the running back. They had Rodriguez. They had Levis, the quarterback. They had everybody and got yeah. beat at home. They beat yeah. them at Lexington. Yeah. So yeah, I was I, I I don't pull for, you know, non-teams that aren't in our state, but I was really excited and happy for Vanderbilt. I mean, how can you not? After all the losses they have had, 26 in a row in the mm-hmm. SEC, yeah. how you couldn't be happy that they finally got a game in the league? I, I just don't know. All right, let's get back to the phone calls. We go to Danny in Greenville next up here on the program. Danny, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. All right, first of all, we got eight or ten wide receivers. We got – a so-called front uh, offensive line. We got a so-called defensive line, but we got two running backs. It's always hurt. How come we can't go out and recruit more than one quarterback a year? I mean, a uh, running back a year. Well, they've Where's got the they've got other back? running backs. I mean, you got Juju McDowell. Uh, they've got uh, 
They've got uh, Lavoisier Carroll, who they you know took as a transfer from Georgia to be a running back. He's an older guy. Um, I would have thought he would be ready to play, come in and help out at running back. That was the thought. Uh, you have um, you have the Amos kid. Um, I mean, there are other bodies back there. You have the transfer from Columbia. Um, so we got them. Why why aren't they playing? I mean, you know, you got to have something. Bale can't run. Bale's not a running back. He's a slot or a wide receiver or yeah. a, or, or screen guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it. When he gets the, I, I think it ball, showed. I think it showed uh, against that Florida defense, which you know you should have been able to run against based on the history of this season. That um, you know he's he's a big guy. He doesn't get small in the hole, <clears throat> and I don't think he has enough explosion as a running back to uh, to beat the defense around the edge, around the corner, consistently. He's good. I mean, we all know he's a good receiver, and he's good when you get him out in space or get the ball to him over the middle as a receiver, and and he can he can run away then. You know, I guess it's different speed, right? I mean, running backs have to have a different kind of speed than wide receivers. Um, I mean, running backs got to be going full speed, like within like a half a step or so, to be able to get away from these I, guys. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, and I I'm just throwing things out up against the wall to see what and sticks I think here. Vision too, Phil. I mean, you you have to understand where your blocks are, set them up. Good running backs not only have speed, but I think they also have vision. And that's not a knock on uh, Jaheim. I'm just not sure he's trained in that that regard because wide receivers and tight ends look at things a whole lot differently down the field than running backs they do you know behind the the offensive line of scrimmage i'll give them credit the the game plan must have been uh to come out and run the football because their opening series after they were behind seven nothing they came out and tried to run the football against florida's defense i mean that's what you would do if you were game planning based on what Florida has done defensively this year. They were susceptible to the run or supposedly susceptible to the run. And the Gamecocks came out. They were down 7 nothing after Florida went on a 14-play, 75-yard drive to open the game. And you had Bell up the middle for two. You had Bell running right for a loss of two. And then, of course, on third down, they tried to pass. And it went to Bell for four yards. And then they punted. Next series for the Gamecocks, after being down fourteen to nothing, <clears throat> they came out. <clears throat> excuse me, they came out to throw the ball. Sacked on first down, incomplete. Then a nice pass to Van for eighteen to get the first down. Then incomplete. Then a sweep, a reverse to rush for a one yard loss. Then an incomplete, and then a um, and then a punt, and uh, then. Florida goes down, scores again. That's when they gave the ball to ETN, 85 yards. Now you're down 21 to nothing. You might as well just take that game plan and set it on fire because you're down 21 nothing. Though they did come out on the next possession, Bell, he did run for 18 up the middle, then a one-yard game by Bell, then an eight-yard pass to Brown, and then this was kind of a key play. If you can say there's a key play, the Gamecocks had it third and one, on the Florida 48, and they had the false start on Jones. And the false start came right after Florida's defensive front shifted. And, you know, defensive fronts will shift. They'll shift left. They'll shift right. And they shifted, and he moved just a little bit, but that made it go from third and one, an easy opportunity to get a first down, to a third and six back across midfield. Um, And 
they did get the first down. Bell rushed for six, <clears throat> but eventually the, the, the drive petered out of the USC 47, and they ended up punting. And then Florida went down, kicked a field goal, and it's 24 to nothing early in the second quarter. And for all practical purposes, game was over. Phil, out of curiosity, was Juju McDowell hurt? Was he injured coming into this game or at some point during the game? No, no. No more than anybody else banged up. He played. I know, but he had two carries for 11 yards. I'm just curious. They seem to be sticking to their guns with Jaheim Bell, similarly to like we've seen with Spencer Rattler over Luke Doty. Is there just a hesitancy, you think, to shift from the initial game plan or from the initial starter and even give the backup a a, a chance? Just curious if at some point you see Jaheim Bell isn't doing well, Juju McDowell had two carries. Just just curious the thought there. I can't. I can't. Look, two games ago, Bell didn't touch the ball. The last two games, he's had um, 12. Let's see. He had 19 touches last week, and then he had 14 touches. So he's had 33 touches in the last two games after having zero touches three games ago. So I can't explain it. There's no and rhyme or coaching- reason to it. And, and quite frankly, Phil, that, that appears to me that they're coaching off social media, that they got, got criticized for not getting <laughs> – well, I, I agree, yeah. but it, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Because they got criticized for not getting Jaheim Bell enough touches, and then lo and behold, against uh, Vanderbilt, he gets a ton of touches, and then this past week he's, he's in the backfield and they throw it to him in the whole nine yards. If, if you're starting – if you're, you're in a situation where you're, you're coaching based off what the fans are criticizing you for – that's a bad scenario. Yeah. Well, keep in mind now, things would have been a little different with Marshawn Lloyd and sure. Bill Smith being healthy. It's, you know, their misfortune that they didn't have those two healthy. But I think I think Pat's um, observation is a good one. I mean, Juju mm-hmm, McDowell is, a, again, you're asking somebody in Jaheim Bell, who's not a natural running back, to be your running back. But you've got a natural running back in Juju McDowell but he carries it twice for 11 yards. I mean, there's certain things you need to know about being a running back. There's certain aspects to the position that are innate to a guy that's grown up being a running back versus forcing somebody to be a running back who's not a natural running back. I think Zach Willis can explain that. <clears throat> we'll ask him about that when he joins us in a little bit. Back in just a moment. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. 
When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Sports Talk here on a Monday, Monday after. Zach Willis coming up, recruiting in a couple of minutes as well. And I want to mention this very quickly. Preseason high school basketball coaches' rankings are out. 5A boys, I'll just give you the top three. Lexington, Dorman, and Goose Creek. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Girls, Rock Hill, Stratford, Malden. 4A boys, Wilson, North Augusta, Augusta, Lancaster, Girls, North Augusta, South Florence, Westside. 3A, boys, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, Powdersville, and Daniel. Girls, Camden, Southside, Wren. 2A, boys, <clears throat> Gray Collegiate, Keenan, Oceanside Collegiate. Girls, Keenan, Gray Collegiate, Blacksburg. 1A, boys, Calhoun County, Great Falls, Scotts Branch. And girls, Military Magnets, Denmark Oler, Christ Church. Girls, military magnet. They got some good military yeah. magnet girls basketball players down there. Okay. Boy, and I tell you what, that in sticking with high schools for just a second, this weekend is going to be some phenomenal high school football games. I hope we don't have bad weather. Yeah. So all the games can be played on, on Friday like they're supposed to because there's some terrific games scheduled. Uh, just over this way. I mean, West Florence going to AC Flora. I think it'll be a terrific game in the upstate in 3A. All, all, both of those games in the semifinals in the upstate with Daniel and Powersville and what Clinton and, and Chapman should be just uh, unbelievably good football games this weekend. All right, let's go to Bobby in Charlotte. Next phone call here on Sports Talk. Bobby, welcome in. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. Happy birthday, Phil. Hey, you know, you guys have brought it up a little bit, and it's funny because I tell you what, on social media – uh, Marcus Satterfield takes about every sling and arrow he can possibly take, but mm-hmm. man, I'm concerned about our defense. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 you you brought up a couple of stats, and just to flesh those out, I mean, Phil, we're 113th in the country in rushing defense. We're 104th in sacks. We're 103rd in tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, our third down conversion defense is 98. So. And, and, you know, here's the thing, Phil. I know that it's a complimentary game and it would help our defense if our offense was, you know, remotely functional. 
But, you know, we've, we've said we're talking about the first half of games. I mean, don't tell me that that defense is tired on the first, second, and third drives. Against Florida, they came out, the Gators scored three touchdowns and one field goal on their first four drives mm-hmm. against Missouri. You know, we made them punt on the first series. They get the ball back. They go two touchdowns and a field goal on the next three drives. And against Arkansas, three touchdowns. And finally, we made them miss a field goal on their first four drives. But, I mean, Phil, this is – I know that we have glaring issues on offense, and I know that we have some some, uh, injury issues on defense as well. But it really makes you wonder. Let's let's assume that Shane makes a change on offense uh, with the coordinator this offseason. Are we gonna? How many more years are we gonna go before we start to look over at Clayton White and wonder what is he doing on that side of the ball? Because because you know Tennessee is about to break the scoreboard on us, and Clemson, they could just use the same game plan that they did last year. They'll let DJ throw the ball like ten times, and they're just gonna run it right down our throat because we can't yep. stop anybody. Excellent points. I mean, I can't disagree with you. <clears throat> the defense has, I would say at times um, played pretty well and given them a chance. But, again, I go back and look at the history and I go back and look at the games that you play against the better teams on your schedule. Like last year, they, they played two ranked teams last year at the time they played them. They were ranked. Uh, they lost to Georgia, 40-13, to and they lost to Texas A&M, 44-14. to now, they did have some nice wins. They beat Florida, and they beat Auburn. These are nice wins in terms of the names. They beat Florida. They beat Auburn. Good wins there as far as as far as far um, uh, the reputations. They weren't very good teams at that time. They lost to Tennessee big last year, 45-20 to in Knoxville. Uh, and then you look, at, you look at it this year and what they've done against similar teams. They uh, – Lost to Arkansas, forty-four to thirty. Give them credit for fighting back <clears throat> and making it somewhat competitive. Blown out by Georgia, ranked number one, forty-eight to seven. Did beat a fifteenth-ranked Kentucky team without their quarterback, but did beat them. And now they they hadn't played a ranked team since. Uh, beat Texas A and M. Lost to Missouri somehow, some way. Uh, beat Vanderbilt and then got embarrassed by Florida. And now you got number five and you got number nine waiting for you the next two weeks. So my point is their history against the better teams that are that are healthy and got their full complement of, of players is not good. It's not good. And that's that's why I, I see no reason to think it's gonna get better all of a sudden these next two weeks. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing I'll say is I I feel I'm just curious, you know, Shane has gotten pretty defensive in a couple of the press conferences, uh, even with you earlier this season, and I thought you asked a fair question, but his find some joy comment last week, I mean, he has got, someone has got to get into his ear and, and just say, hey, buddy, there's a time and place, and, and these fans have been with you almost 100%, and, and just you cannot follow up a comment like that with a performance like we saw at the Swamp. Somebody good point. Yeah, that. good point, good point. we got to hit the break. First and 10 coming up. More calls and recruiting.
just pointed out to me, this is not. See, I was looking at the USC media guide because season by season, they show the rankings for the teams, the USC ranking and the opponent's ranking as they play them. That's what I was going by. And Pat reminds me, now, are you talking about coaches or AP? It might be they weren't in the AP. He points out, he said, last year Clemson was ranked 23rd. In the Gamecock media guide, they don't show Clemson as being ranked. They use the AP ranking, I believe. That's I got why. this from uh, ESPN.com and then looking back at the schedule of South Carolina from last year, and it shows the full season and what they were ranked when they played. And it shows Georgia, A&M, and then Clemson being number 23, but I'm not sure if that's AP or what yeah. coaches. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, we know how good Clemson was last year anyway. Uh, at that point in time, they won 30 to nothing. It is time for first and 10. Here on Sports Talk, first up during the week of our great analysis, analysis, analysts, our great analysts giving the great analysis is um, Coach Zach Willis, and he's got 10 minutes, more or less, to talk to us. That's why we call it First and 10. All right, we've been pretty harsh on the Gamecocks tonight because that was a very bad performance, offense, defense, special teams. They were pretty good once again. Uh, but offense, defense, I think they were equally bad. And I think just just think it's disappointing for a team like that um, to go down and have that kind of performance against a non-ranked team that had not been playing good defense this year, yet they just stonewalled the Gamecocks offense. You know, Phil, I tell you, I, I couldn't agree more. I didn't, you know, I've been watching, re-watching that game this afternoon and just – you know, it, it's to start with their defense, if, if you don't mind. They, they shied away from contact. Literally, it didn't look like they wanted to be there at, at times. I know that's, that's not the mentality, but they just seemed very lethargic. And I went back and I noticed this during the game, but they missed a total. Now, I, I stopped counting when the backup quarterback came in. They missed a total, legitimately total of 23 tackles in that game, 17 in the first half. And these were legitimate, not arm tackles. These were legitimate tackle opportunities. That could completely change that game. And obviously, I don't think they missed those tackles against A&M. I don't think they missed those tackles in any games they've won and probably a, few, a game or two they lost. The Missouri game coming to mind. Um, but just not a good performance overall statistically. You know, I want to get missed tackles, I always tell you a ton. And 23 is a lot. 17 coming in the first half. You know, eight in the first quarter, nine in the second quarter, five in the third, and I quit counting in the fourth. <laughs> well, that explains why Florida rushed for 260 some odd yards in the first half. Yeah, they were 281 at halftime. Or 281. And with nine minutes ago in the first half, Florida had rushed for 212 yards to South Carolina seven. Yeah. Just if it had been Florida, you know, Steve Spurrier, Florida era, Urban Meyer with Tim Tebow ramming it down your throat with the Pouncey twins up front, okay, we're not very good, I understand, but that this Florida team's not that good. It's just not that good. Is that I mean, is that just poor game planning, poor preparation? How do you explain that? Honestly, there's unless you're inside those four walls, you don't know for for a fact what's going on. They came out extremely flat, just like Clemson had the last two games. We'll get to them, but this was their Syracuse or their Notre Dame. You know, they've had uh, the the Arkansas game where they got pushed around by I think Arkansas at that time was healthy and much better than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, although Alabama might argue with you a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> or LSU, I'm sorry, LSU would definitely would argue with you how good they are with a four, third and fourth string quarterback in. But you know, they just got whipped at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. 
uh, technique didn't look good. Pass rush, the defensive linemen are taught to attack half a man, attack the edges, the shoulders. And they were running right through the middle of Florida's players and no pass rush to speak of at times from some very talented defensive linemen that we've seen do great things this year and beat ranked teams. So I think that's what's so disappointing is we know their potential. And Lloyd not being there definitely hurt them. You know, I I really wonder if leaving him at home, I know they did that against Vanderbilt and it was fine, but he's a big-time leader on that team. If that It can't make that big of a difference. So it's just a – Overall, bad day for him at the office, honestly. Just a bad, bad performance. Do you, do you see Jaheim Bell as a true running back? Not at all. I mean, I think he's a great multi-purpose back. He's going to enjoy a great career in the NFL if he can stay healthy. Um, H-back, definitely. A guy that can run wildcat, do some things like that with the and Joyner, who they're finally using again. Uh, you know, he, he looked really good. That's one bright spot they had. Um, but – Bell's not a true running back. He's probably a one-back guy. If you were in an old Washington Redskins, John Riggins, George Rogers type role, he might be good at that. But, you know, not a true running back. No, great athlete, one of the very best in the SEC, I think. But just an overall great player that you can use in a lot of areas to get matchups on people that, that can help you win. Mm-hmm. First and 10 here tonight on Sports Talk. Zach Willis with us for a few moments here tonight chatting about the uh, Gamecocks and uh, Gators. We'll get into the uh, Tigers in Louisville in a couple of moments. And, Coach, considering the struggles that they've had offensively, and this is not just a one-off, uh, for the most part against anybody with a pulse, it appears, they've mm-hmm. had struggles offensively. Is there a, an opportunity in your mind to run somebody else in at quarterback? Is it all on Spencer Rattler? Would Luke Doty make a difference? Would you make a change? And it appears that, that Shane Beamer, and he actually said it as much, they are concerned about playing him because they don't want to give up his uh, red shirt. But if you're trying to win now, is that the, the appropriate way to, uh, to handle things offensively? Well, I know they've got so many games they can play Luke in before he gives up his red shirt, so I, I don't know if that's really an issue, is it? I mean, no, he's played his four. He, he pointed he out, has. Beamer pointed out after the game the other night, but still, as, as the, the point that Chris is making is if he can help you now, why yeah. are you sacrificing the here and now for who knows what next year brings? Well, here, here's my thing is I, I also Spencer Rattler's health. I mean, the amount of hits he's taken a game uh, – you know, we charted those one game. He took 25 legitimate solid hits mm. in the last football game. And this this kid is a great talent, but he is a guy that needs to be protected to a degree. And Doty runs extremely well. I don't know if he'd be any better, but it's, it's worth a try. You, but here's the thing. They need to have plays repped in practice that fit Luke Doty's strengths. Spencer's a different kind of quarterback. Honestly, I don't know who this offense is framed for because it's so put together in hodgepodge fashion. you got a little bit of spread, a little bit of RPO, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, you can't really tell what they're trying to do most of the time, even when they're winning. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of out. And I think most people can see that. I don't think it takes a guy that coached 26 years to figure that out. And it, it tells on the kids, Rattler, is late on most of his throws right now and because he doesn't trust his offensive line. Where, Josh Van, man, I'm, what are we doing? We're not using him, and now they finally started using Joiner. And look how dynamic he appears to everybody else on the field when he's running with a ball. Um, I, hey, it just, just as long as it's organized would be my answer to the question. Don't go out there and look stupid and like you hadn't prepared and you're just throwing the kid out there because all you're doing is preparing him to fail. And I'm not trying to be ugly, 
I try to I try to have as much class as possible for a boy from a call. Mm. But you know, <laughs> at, le- at least you give <laughs> give these kids a chance to win. Give them a chance to win and put them in things that Luke Doty does well, that Spencer Rattler does well, that Dakari and Joyner does well. And, and Joyner has actually had probably the better end of that deal with a Wildcat. Mm-hmm. All right, Zach, if that's the case, what does Carolina do well offensively? I mean, if you had to label their identity, what is their identity? Well, when they got Lloyd, they can run the football because he's such a dynamic performer. Losing their offensive line coaches hurt that tremendously. Their 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 technique has suffered. Their hand placement, you know, their their footwork is not as good. Even their alignment, you know, they they gave up a eight a, what thirty eight yard big time pass in late in the game. It wouldn't have mattered about. It would help momentum, help team morale to a, a great tight end who's underused again. It came over with Rattler. They've got to line up right. So. Uh, they can they can do a lot of things well. I think they've got to let Rattler be more of a pocket passer and a legit RPO. And with a, it's not a it's a PPO. It's going to be pass to pass option. He's not going to run it. He's going to beat you with arm talent, which he has a ton of. But you have to run a more a true pro style offense and quit saying it's pro style when it's not. And let them read routes on the run. And it's a little bit late in the game for that, to be honest. That should have been the first thing they did when he got there. I guess we failed to mention, I haven't even talked about the fact that on their possessions in the second half, on four plays, they had three turnovers after plays yeah. were made. I mean, you had uh, well, yeah. two pass receptions, they got hit, they fumbled, they lose it. You had the run up the middle where the 450 pound defensive <laughs> tackle rips it loose from three turnovers on four plays. And I just simply ask you as a football coach of 26 years, how does that happen? I mean, is it just bad luck? Is that what it is? You just no, write it off to no. just bad luck? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This, that's fundamentals. And it goes back to Little League football, ball security in Atlanta, South Carolina. Were you all the Hornets back when you played, Phil? I know they were when I played them. And no, 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 no. The Red Raiders and then the the, became the Vikings. I like the Red Raiders. Mm-hmm. Vikings, I, I'm kind of liking the Vikings here lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's pretty rolling pretty good up there in Buffalo. But anyway. Yeah, you got your boy playing quarterback who I don't like. You might not like him, baby, but you got to love him right now because he's winning. Yeah. Anyway, and he's got the chains rolling for his friends, his homies. So he's doing things the right way. Now back to the Gamecocks. It's ball security. Every guy who's ever played football. You go up, you try to strip your buddy from the football, they throw it on the ground, you wrestle around for it, you learn how to cover the ball up, you learn the seven points of contact. You know, as Coach Holtz used to tell us at Carolina, you've got to be a fanatic about fundamentals. Look at Steve Spurrier's offenses, how simple they were, but how effective, because they were fundamentally sound. I would argue they were fundamentally excellent when he whipped Clemson five years in a row and Georgia three years in a row. Mm-hmm. They had great talent, but they didn't turn that ball over. And that's the same thing that Phil, what was Phil Petty, the late Phil Petty known for? He didn't get you beat. And he got you in a position to win late, and their character won. This team had, I think this team has some character, believe it or not. I just think they're kind of groping around in the dark trying to find their true identity on the offensive side and keep them playing hard on defense. When they have these great stands, block these field goals, and do the things they did, they can't, it's, a, it's a stab and a dagger to the heart when you fumble the ball right back to a team. Mm-hmm. It's a killer, and it's all fundamentals, guys. It's tucking that ball, holding on. And when Jaheim Bell has called on to come back there and run it, he's not run the ball his life. He's not been a running back. 
It's a different type of hit you take, and it's exactly what happened to him. He's in a big pile, and a 400-pounder ripped it away from him. It's as simple as that, but it's repetitions and experience that went out. And guess what, guys? Repetition and experience in games is what makes coaches. And you're seeing more on-the-job training, albeit they're ahead of schedule. I like what they're doing, but they've just got to simplify some things and decide who they're going to be. Yeah. Can't have 11 penalties either. They're one of the worst nope. teams in the country when it comes to that. All right, Clemson, they uh, they won. They beat Louisville, um, I wouldn't say in dominant fashion, and they knocked out the Louisville quarterback. They had turnover problems, but they had some big plays, some explosion in their offense, and they got Uyangale running the football, uh, and their defense did a, did a pretty good job most of the day to kind of keep things in front of them and, and keep things in check. You never got the feeling – from what I could see, that you know Louisville was going to be able to uh, grind it out against them. So, no. did Clemson uh, kind of fix their issues? I, I mean, if he plays like that the rest of the year, they won't, they're not going to lose unless they make it. They play somebody really good. Um, here, here's what I got it down to, Phil. I figured this thing out because it's been on my, it's been eating away at me. We got two identities under that helmet of number five. You got DJ. The kid that played against Syracuse and struggled in Notre Dame, and then you got Big Cinco. Big Cinco hmm. played the first six games, and he played in Death Valley the other day. Hmm. Big Cinco's got swagger. He's got a guy draped all over him, throws a 10-yard out, and fits it through the eye of a needle to get it to a great receiver who catches the ball. He makes all kind of runs. He makes great decisions on the read option. I went back and looked. He gave up over 70 yards and bad reads and runs against Notre Dame and probably two touchdowns that would have won that game for him, I believe. Uh, so we have to have Big Cinco show up on Saturday. Now, I don't know if it's social issues, if it's some kind of environmental thing, home versus away, what Betty sleeps in, who his roommate is, if him and his girlfriend are getting along. Oop. But we, we've got to have Big Cinco on Saturday if we're going to win like Clemson is used to winning. Uh, and here's the other thing. They've got to quit building their offense around quarterbacks who are good quarterbacks but not great. Their generational players right now are at tailback. I don't know if Clemson has a fullback in the house. Okay, but they need, they got two great tight ends, one big, big timer and one future big timer. They've got more of a Washington Redskins, Joe Theismann, John Riggins. Again, going back to that team, and this is what got me on them. Look at their personnel. Great receivers. They're not big and tall, but they can get behind people and hurt you bad like the crowd up in Washington do when they won three Super Bowls. They've got a long ball, big, strong quarterback who can run it, but imagine him with a fullback. And then you got those those big backs pace it and playing right now. When he comes back, his legs are going to be so fresh. He's a little, he was shot out of a cannon. And and think about just think about centering things around Shipley, who you say is the heartbeat of your team. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's true, I want the ball in the best one yard touchdown run I've seen in years against Wake Forest back when they were ranked tenth in the country. They've been you know, ACC ain't no good, but they've been beat up pretty good by some people, including that Louisville crowd. That, that Clemson took apart Saturday. Clemson physically on defense is a dominant football team, but you can't leave any team out there too long. And they got to be able to learn to line up against exotic formations and play hard every down. And that sounds like a lot of stuff, but it boils down to are we going to have DJ or are we going to have Big Cinco? They've got to find a way for him. From what I hear, he's a great character kid. He wants to win. He's willing to do what it takes. 
get that kid in big, big Cinco mode every day right after they eat the pregame meal and let him roll and make sure those running backs can eat because that's yeah. the way you keep him. Hey, if you keep him ahead of the chains, he is a one heck of a quarterback. As good an arm as there is in college football and not a bad runner either. I wouldn't want to have to hit him at, what, 6'4", 6'5", 240 pounds, mm-hmm. and, he, and he can run, and his change of direction is as good as anybody. So I say more of what we saw – First six games in Louisville, no telling how good the Tigers can end this year and everybody be happy in Tiger Town. Big Zach mode tonight. We thank you, my friend. Great stuff. Talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Zach Thanks, Willis coach. first and uh, let's see, 35. First and 16 tonight in about 15, 16 minutes. That's great. Did he get a holding penalty? Hardly took it. <laughs> yeah, they got, of course we did. <laughs> of course there was a penalty involved. We got to hit the break, come back with recruiting. Time permitting, we'll squeeze in a call or two. Don't know if we'll have time permitting. We'll do the best we can. Got some basketball tonight. You've got, um, what do we have tonight? You got Wofford playing at Drake. I'm going to tip off at 8 o'clock. South Carolina State and Duquesne, they're playing right now. And it is 38-25, the Dukes over the Bulldogs. And we'll be back. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. All right, recruiting here on Sports Talk, brought to you by our good friends at Seawells. Hey, get over for the daily luncheon buffet tomorrow throughout the week, 11 till 2. You'll enjoy it. You will not be disappointed, and it will not bust your budget. 
And for the very best in the catering business, you got something coming up. You need people to come in and do the job, do it right, do it quick, do it uh, to fit your budget. That is Seawells at 803-771-7385. South Carolina offered a junior college running back, Robert Henry, 5'10", 194. He's out of Lumberton, Mississippi. He goes to Jones in Mississippi. He's the uh, leading rusher in junior college at 1,302 yards, 18 touchdowns, a finalist for the award for the Junior College Player of the Year, the Walter Jones Trophy. And South Carolina offered him last night. He'd been in touch with Ontario Hardesty, and they talked, and he offered, and he's coming in for an official visit the weekend of the 16th. Prior to the weekend before, he's going to Coastal Carolina on an official visit. And they see a lot of potential in him. He took an official to UTSA over the weekend. Kentucky has offered Sam Houston State, Northern Arizona, McNeese, Eastern Illinois, Samford. Greenville high wide receiver Tyler Brown, 6 feet 180, was offered by Clemson over the weekend. He was there for another visit, and he picked up his offer from Clemson. They had been watching him in recent weeks. They decided to make the offer to him. He's a former Minnesota commit and he also has recent offers from Northwestern and Georgia Tech. He also has Eastern Michigan, East Carolina, Coastal, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and Appalachian. He's been to Virginia Tech for a game this season. Through 12 games, he has 45 catches, 793 yards, 12 touchdowns. Some of the other visitors at Clemson Saturday. 24 receiver T.J. Moore, 24 athlete Michael McClellan, 24 kicker Bobby Inksler, 24 linebacker Isaiah Thomas, 24 tight end Christian Bentenker, 24 athlete Xavier Hamilton. In the 25 class, tackle Mal Waldrop, quarterback Ryan Montgomery, athlete Dante Smith, linebacker Braxton Davies. In the 26 class, linebacker Bryson Davies. USC Clemson in the top 12 with defensive tackle Malik Blockton of Pike Road, Alabama. The others are Arkansas, Arizona State, Auburn, Missouri, Jackson State, Florida, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, Tennessee. Athlete Sudarian Harrison of Woodland was offered by Coastal, sent an official visit to Louisville for this weekend. He also has an official to Virginia in December. One-time Clemson USC target, defensive end Rico Walker, Hickory, North Carolina, decommitted from North Carolina. And 2024 6'4", Cam Scott of Lexington made his official to Auburn over the weekend. That was his second. He's also been to USC, scheduled for an official to Texas in two weeks, an unofficial to Duke November 30th. He's also planning to take an official visit to Florida State. That's recruiting. Check it out on the website, sportstalksc.com, on Twitter at sportstalksc. Quickly, back to the phones, try to squeeze in one, maybe two more, depending on how quick we go. Uh, Gamecock Larry in Swansea. Got about a minute, sir. Gamecock Larry, how are you? I'm okay. I'm mad. Oh. I think that was the sorriest game that I've seen. This, I can't remember the last time that I cut my TV off and turned, cut my radio off beginning, starting the third quarter. Mm. It was a long time. But I think this coaching staff, and I'm not going to call it, anyone because it ain't just one. I think this coaching staff has, law, has uh, 
wasted a year of Spencer Rattler. They wasted a year of Luke Doty. They wasted a year of a lot of that talent on that team this year. By, I ain't gonna say it. All right, that's about all. We, yes, sir. Gotcha. We got to go. We're short, but we thank you for calling. Hope you feel better from getting that off the old chest. One more basketball game tonight. College of Charleston leading Richmond at the half, forty-five thirty-one. Chris, you got the Gamecocks tomorrow. Enjoy. I will. Have some Enjoy hard questions Tigers. ready now. You have some hard questions ready. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, I'll be up at Clemson. See you tomorrow. Talking Tuesday.